How could they have done that to me? Forgive? No. I don't think so. The depth of their offense and wrong, their history, we think we know. Absolution? It is optional, appropriate sometimes, for those whose offenses are not too grim, which don't cross those too hard lines. We draw a circle around forgiveness, outside of which they're out. They cheated, smeared our reputation, and we must hold them to account. We've held a grudge, been wronged, mistreated. We've had harm and pain repeated. All of our hurt and wound and grief blind us to our own debt and unbelief. Forgive them, we're instructed. Unwilling, unable, our hearts remain obstructed. I think you'd have to be Jesus on the cross to open your heart after such deep loss. It's very hard to forgive. It's a generosity we lack. But you, oh God, absolved our stain unseen behind your back. You hid our sin like morning mist upon a sore, wiped from memory, gone from reality. You remember it no more. We remember, though, we were Judas. We've betrayed and been betrayed. Yet you shared the bread, offered us the cup. For all betrayers, your own blood poured out and paid. And despite the cost of Calvary, we find ourselves on the attack, wanting you to kill our enemy instead of dying on his behalf. We've been the woman at the well, in the dirt, at your feet. Try and try again to stop. We fail and we repeat. Overwhelmed by love and costly grace, our gratitude we've poured. Fighting shame for our transgressions, our own wrongs we can't ignore. Then you chastised judges for the way they criticized. We looked up and saw not disgust, but mercy in your eyes. We've been the tax collector at the altar, on our knees. We've judged our brother's faults, but we're the prisoners. We're not free. Pay me back what you owe me. We demand penalty, vengeance. Afraid to leave till judgment day, the judgment in your hands. What if he never pays? What if she makes no recompense? We carry around this harm in us, and they get no punishment. But you whisper, let the poison go. I'm with you. We'll walk this pain together. We don't want to take your offer, afraid the ache might go on forever. Your pain matters so much to me, you say. Every tear you cried has been heard. That's why I cried, it is finished that day. I took the punishment they deserved. So let me teach you to forgive. I'll trade my wounds for yours. Forgive us all our debts, we pray, as we forgive our debtors. So let me teach you to forgive, Jesus says to us. I'll trade my wounds for yours. Forgive us all our debts, we pray, as we forgive our debtors. My name's Katie. I'm glad to be with you this morning as we continue our series 57. 57 words that changed the world. 57 is the number of words in the original Greek for the Lord's Prayer, which we prayed together this morning. And today, 
we're up to the fifth petition. Perhaps the boldest prayer to pray. In Matthew 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then after the prayer concludes, Jesus gives one qualification and the only thing he refers back to in the entirety of the Lord's Prayer is the topic of forgiveness. And he arrests us with this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What does that mean? To answer that, we're going to look at three questions. Firstly, why? Why forgiveness? Why is forgiveness of such paramount importance? Secondly, what is it? What does it look like? And what is it not? And finally, how do we do it? How do we forgive? Why forgiveness? Our culture is pretty void of forgiveness. We would prefer instead to take someone to court in a lawsuit instead of be wronged. And in a culture where we say, hey, you do you, forgiveness doesn't seem to have a place because if I'm offended or hurt by something you do or say, I kind of need to just deal with that privately, sort of pretend it didn't happen. But forgiveness is one of God's names. El no se, the forgiving God. In Hebrew understanding and throughout the scripture, our relationship with God is akin to, there's the metaphor of walking with, to walk in his ways, to walk in his path in Deuteronomy chapter 11. And sin, both in Hebrew and in Greek, is literally defined as to miss, like to miss a step. We're winding our way up the mountains of Israel, and we're on a path, or the Rocky Mountains, and we miss a step, step outside of the path. Our most fundamental sin as humanity is that we fail to honor God as God, and we fail to give thanks to him. Every one of our missteps after that comes from that one root. You might be a skeptic here today and say, sin? Look, I don't, what do you mean misstep? I don't really harm anybody. But we all wrong each other all the time, even if it's only slightly. It's those sarcastic comments, the unkind thought. It's that misleading comment. We wrong one another regularly, and Jesus took it up a notch in Matthew chapter 5, just the chapter before in his sermon, where he said, hey, you might think you're okay fighting with your sibling as long as you don't kill them. But Jesus said, if you're deeply seething with anger at your brother in your heart, you've already committed murder in your heart. And we think, whether we're single or married, as long as we're not sleeping around, we're good. But Jesus said, hang on. If you and I look at someone in person or online and we want that, we've already been unfaithful in our hearts. We think, hey, we just need to make sure that we don't hate our enemy and we love people who, and Jesus said, no, no, no. 
You've got to love your enemy. I mean, after that list, every person in this room, we are undone. There is not one of us who couldn't say, as one theologian says, we have a titanic mortgage upon our lives. And Church Father Origen said, there is not a second, there is not a moment, there is not a day, not an hour where you and I are not debtors. We're in debt. We misstep with God and with one another. Why forgiveness? Firstly, because we are all debtors. You don't need to be a Jesus follower in here to recognize the benefits of forgiveness as well. Dr. Fred Luskin, he leads the Stanford University Forgiveness Project. He, he came up with it and has done extensive research across a wide variety of demographics and came up with this. In all of his research, holding grudges exponentially increases our, our propensity towards heart disease and heart attacks and just general feelings of discomfort. While practicing forgiveness enhances a sense of well-being, people who forgive are happier, people who forgive are more confident in his research. People who forgive report less symptoms, less illness, both in the short and the long term. Forgiveness, he says, simply works. It heals people's lives. God's word works whether we acknowledge him or not. And as a Jesus follower, however, emotional healing isn't our primary motivation to forgiveness. Even if we benefit from forgiving as a result, listen to how Yale uh, University of professor of theology, Miroslav Wolf, how he describes it. We forgive for another's sake, though we may also benefit from the result. We forgive because that's how God in Christ forgave us. We absorb the wrongdoing in order to transform the wrongdoer. Forgiving the unrepentant is not an optional extra in the Christian way of life. It is the heart of the thing. If forgiveness, if Christianity is not about forgiveness, it's about nothing at all. We forgive because that's how God in Christ forgave us. And when we bear the burden of forgiveness, we resemble, who do we look like? We resemble him. And that is our divine destiny. We mirror God. Why forgiveness? Because we are all in debt. We forgive for the benefit of the offender. And when we do that, we look like God. Secondly, what is forgiveness? What is it? You might be familiar with Victor Hugo's 19th century novel, Les Miserables. In that novel and in mu that musical, Jean Valjean, he is he's in prison for 19 years because he steals a loaf of bread. He gets out of prison and doesn't have a place to stay, so a local bishop takes him in. Stays in, and overnight he notices all the silver. He packs it up into a bag, leaves in the night, and steals it. Next morning, he's caught by the police, brought back to the bishop, and the police say, he had the audacity to say, you gave this to him. To which the bishop replies, that's right. But Valjean, you forgot the most valuable pieces, and he takes the candlesticks and puts them in his bag. The police go on their way, and the bishop looks at Valjean and says, 
with this precious silver, I have purchased your soul for God. Go and become an honest man. Which he does. Does he become an honest man because someone told him to? No. He experienced the undeserved relief of having someone who rightfully should accuse, condemn, instead offer mercy, and then offer more generosity. He experienced the gift of forgiveness, and it transformed his life. You and I learn how to forgive by experiencing the forgiveness of God ourselves. Jesus, in this passage, he uses the words debt and forgive. Now, both of these words are not from the religious sphere of life. They're from the world of commerce. Debt, which we might have an idea about. <laughs> right? So there's the financial, it can narrowly refer to a financial debt, but it's, it's actually a much wider term. Socially, it refers to any duty or obligation which we owe to someone else. And then secondly, the word forgive, it means to let go, to cease from holding on, to send away. It literally means to erase numbers in a business ledger. To forgive is to give the wrongdoers the gift of not counting the wrongdoing against them. It is a generous release of a genuine debt. In forgiving, we let go of retributive justice, an eye for an eye. And instead, God shows us how to absorb the wrong. It's kind of like being on the wrong side of a bad business deal. You just sort of incur the cost. That might seem unfair. Hang on, that's not fair. Well, perhaps if fairness is that everyone is treated equally. But the bigger question we have to ask this morning is, is it just? Did God suspend justice when he said we're forgiven? Did he just say, hey, you're forgiven? And sort of ignore or pretend our wrongs weren't there? Well, no. No, when God forgave us, he didn't just say something because forgiveness is not fundamentally about saying something. Forgiveness is about doing something. In forgiving us, God did something. He put forward Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered what happens when God forgives us? How does he forgive us? Is our guilt sort of transferred to Jesus on the cross? No, no such transfer of guilt is possible. Here's what happens when God forgives us. Listen to this because it will set you free if you get it. Number one, when God forgives us, you and I die with Christ. Now, the wages of sin, the cost of sin is death, Romans 3.23. So there's sin we misstep, a death is in order. That's the order of things in God's universe. And so we, Christ dies on our behalf, and his death is apportioned to us. And so we die with him. We are united with him in death, Romans 6, 25. Which means that God doesn't just pretend our sin isn't there. He doesn't just ignore our sin. We are separated from it through death. That means that there is no longer any punishment ever. The punishment, Isaiah 53, that brought us peace was upon Jesus, and so we are healed. Some of us punish ourselves, and Jesus will never bring it to mind. 
Jesus Christ, his death and our death with him was the end of punishment. There will be judgment, but not punishment. The second thing that happens when God forgives us is that we receive his, we are clothed with his righteousness, his uprightness, his good name. It's like a man, a good man who marries a prostitute. Her unfaithfulness is sort of swallowed up by his good name. That's been God's plan all along. Now, how else does God forgive us? He absorbs the injury in himself. Does he require us to say, I'm sorry? First, does he require us to repent? What's the place of repentance if God has already just forgiven us? He doesn't require us to repent. Listen to this. God's forgiveness is not reactive. It's not dependent upon our repentance. It is original, preceded and conditioned by nothing on our part. Repentance is necessary if we want to reconcile the relationship. But repentance is not necessary to bestow forgiveness. So what does God also do when he forgives us? He doesn't just let go of the offense. He takes it even further. He never brings it to mind. He forgets. Scripture says in Romans 4 verse 7, he covers our sin. That means we've committed missteps. We've stepped outside the path, but you couldn't find them. They're covered. Isaiah 38 says God puts it behind his back. And the way Kierkegaard says it, he can look at the wrongdoer and not see any of the wrongdoing because who can see what's behind their back? Psalm 103 says, he removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Hebrews chapter 8 says, he forgets. This is how God forgives us. Let's make a note of what forgiveness isn't before we continue. Forgiveness is not free. We just talked about what it cost, what God did in order to forgive. Forgiveness always costs someone. Someone always incurs the cost. It is, a, it is kind of a suffering that we join Jesus in when we forgive. It's not easy. It is difficult. It is painful. It is costly. It's not free. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Nobody feels like forgiving. It is a decision of the will. It is a choice that we make, a gift that we give. Forgiveness is not denial. Listen to pastor and author Dr. Tony Evans. Forgiveness is not pretending like it didn't happen or it didn't hurt. That's lying. Forgiveness is the decision to release a debt regardless of how you feel. When we forgive, we do two main things. The first one As we claim that the offender has offended us, we put the blame where it rightfully belongs. We do that with tenderness, with compassion, but we do it in truth. You've wronged me. And secondly, we do not count the offense against the offender. And both of these are essential for forgiveness. So the passage goes on. It says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, as we have forgiven What is the meaning of the word as? Forgive us our debts because we have forgiven our debtors? Forgive us our debts 
at the same time as we're also in process of trying to forgive our debtors? Forgive us our debts to the degree that we forgive our debtors? And then Jesus says, for if you do not forgive those who have wronged you, I won't forgive you. Here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean it's not a bargain. God is not bargaining with us, saying, hey, you better forgive. Forgive and I'll forgive you. That would mean that our forgiveness is not a gift from him. It would mean that it's a, like a payment, something we earn. It's also not a punishment, saying, hey, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. That would mean that our own salvation is predicated on our strength and our will to forgive. No. It simply means this. God's forgiveness and our forgiveness are linked. Intimately linked. And as are his unforgiveness and our unforgiveness. Listen to how Wolf says it. Our unforgiveness doesn't cause God's unforgiveness but perhaps reveals that we have not actually received his forgiveness even though we think we have. If Christ lives in us, he will forgive through us. If we're reluctant and consistently unwilling and we won't forgive, we need to ask the question, God, is my pride standing in the way of me actually receiving your forgiveness? It is not psychologically possible for us really to know God's pity for us and at the same time be hard-hearted toward others, says Dallas Willard. Jesus makes it clear that if we are to be that whole people, not only can be forgiven, we have to also forgive. If we see ourselves permanently as victims, if we nurse our grudges, holding on to our anger and our resentment, it prevents God's love from entering our heart and anyone else's. It's like us going to the cross and saying, Father, thank you for accepting me on the basis of Jesus substituting himself for me. Thank you for your grace. But she, she can't come to you on that. She needs, to, she needs to come on her own merit. Why forgiveness? Because we are all in debt we forgive for the benefit of the offender. And when we do that, we look like him. What is it? Forgiveness is a generous release of a genuine debt that we receive and we have to pass on. So how do we do it? I was at the kitchen sink because that's my office. And I was praying this prayer. I know we've been praying it as a church. I encourage you this week, pray this part of the prayer, the fifth petition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And watch what the Holy Spirit brings up. I'm praying this prayer and mindful of some people that I thought I had forgiven. But as I was reading and understanding and learning, I thought, oh, there's more. There's more here. But I found myself, I didn't want to. Have you ever been there? I don't want to forgive them. I want them to know how much pain this has been for me. I want them to feel it. I want them to know that this cost me. And I don't want to just let it go because that just lets them off. And I found myself praying, God, will you work in my want? How do we forgive? God forgives through us. 
Christ forgives through us. God isn't just above us, and Jesus Christ isn't just a figure of the past. If we are Jesus followers in here today, he lives in us, in us. That means when you say, oh, I just can't, I can't forgive, I can't resist that temptation, I just can't. Yeah, you're probably right, but good thing Jesus Christ lives inside of you. He can work in those wants and those don't wants. And that's what I found myself praying, Father, will you work in my want? I don't want to. And I don't just want to say that I forgive them because I actually want to do it. And you kind of know when you've forgiven someone because when you think about them, again, the sting isn't there like it was. Number one, how do we do it? Christ forgives through us. It's not going to help us to think God forgives, so I need to forgive too. But it will help us to know that when we forgive, God forgives through us. It's kind of like an iron that's put in fire. It's heated and it glows. It's not the iron. It's not the iron's fire. The fire has created that. But if you take that iron out of the fire, it will grow cold. We need, I needed the Holy Spirit to kindle in me a warmth and a willingness to forgive. And some of you need that this morning too. You need it to help you forgive your parents. Maybe it's been a long time for the way they've harmed you or neglected. Could be with a sibling, a boss, a coworker, a friend, a roommate, a child. Jesus' forgiveness to us and through us heals us. Christ forgives through us. We don't have to do it on our own. We are the ones who do it, but we don't do it on our own. How do we do it? Number one, Christ forgives through us. Number two, we don't require repentance. When Jesus was on the cross, can we just imagine this moment? Here he is. Everyone is verbally abusing and mocking him. Hey, if you're Christ, you can, if you're the Messiah, come down from the cross. He saved others. He can't save himself. Here is a naked man bleeding, crucified, and people are mocking, spitting, insulting him. One person says, not sorry, but will you just remember me? Jesus doesn't even require us to really say, I'm sorry. He just says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then... Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave us long before we said, I'm sorry. You don't need someone to say you're sorry, and that's good news. Because some of you have people who have harmed you who are long gone. Or maybe they're just not willing, not interested in apologizing. It's okay. You can forgive because, remember, repentance isn't necessary for bestowing forgiveness. Repentance is necessary for receiving forgiveness and for reconciling the relationship. Christ forgives through us. We don't require repentance. Three, we forget. We forget. Now, forgetting there, that doesn't mean, oh, I just can't remember what happened. The trauma and the pain in our life is real. It means that we cease to bring it to mind. We stop marking and keeping track. That's what it means. When God remembers our sin no more, he's never going to bring it up again. So we also then 
stop imagining the moment. We stop perseverating over our responses and what we wish we would have said or talking to the person as if, they're not th- as if they're there in front of us and we're washing dishes and we're saying to them what we wish we would have said in the moment. I've never done that. <laughs> Listen to how Wolf says this. To forgive means to basically give the person a gift of existing as if they had not committed the offense at all. There's room. There's more room in your heart, every heart here, to forgive. More room. Now, there are situations where someone intentionally or even unintentionally harms us repeatedly. And sometimes we need to remember those offenses to protect ourselves so we're not like children who fall prey to someone who is stuck in a wicked step of misstepping. But in many cases, in fact, I'd say in most cases, Forgiving includes forgetting. And lastly, we commit ourselves to a community of forgiven forgivers. Forgiveness is between people. Forgiveness is a social relationship. It is not an act of a solitary individual. We will not be able to forgive from our hearts if we are not in a community who value forgiveness. Like a small group who says, hey, I know this is hard. You were wronged. But you can do it and you must. Let the poison go. We'll walk the pain together, Mercy said in that word. In Forgive for Good, Fred Luskin, he describes how companionship, people who lack companionship, are at much greater risk of health complications, and just face life with more difficulty. He says, a lack of companionship is more dangerous to our survival than smoking. We need people. And it helps remind us that our pain isn't a particular variety. Other people have experienced the same. It doesn't demean or diminish the significance or the hurt that it was or the damage it caused. It just instead helps us know Someone has had this too, and they came through, and I can as well. For being in a community of forgiven forgivers helps us also pray the prayer collectively. Forgive us our sins. And we think about our community, we think about our city, we think about our nation, endless human misery on the planet. We think about forgive us. Wrap your arms around like you did in Luke chapter 15, running to the sun. Will you run? to this world and wrap your arms around it. Why forgiveness? Because you and I are all in debt. We're in debt and we forgive for the benefit of the offender. When we do that, we look like him. How do we do, how do we, what is forgiveness? What is it actually? It's a generous release of a genuine debt, which we received and we've got to pass on and we require no repentance. And how do we do it? Christ, he forgives through us. We don't require that someone says sorry. We forget and we commit ourselves to a community of forgiven forgivers. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Maybe this morning you've realized you are in debt. But you've been thinking about the debts of others. You've been stuck. Maybe you need to forgive yourself for being hurt and being stuck. And then ask for God's help to work in your want. 
Maybe you're here. And you need help forgetting the offense. Maybe you've been waiting for an apology, and now you know you don't need one. Or perhaps you're here, and you feel far from God. Though he is not far from any one of us. Maybe you even doubt, you don't believe. He is present everywhere. His presence is not dictated by whether you believe or not. He's here. And he knocks on the door of every grace-resistant heart with a nail-pierced hand. Will you open the door of your heart to the forgiver? I believe in these next moments, I'd love to pray over you. I believe there'll be a shift and a move in your heart. Maybe forgiveness. Maybe you've tried and tried again. There's going to be a move. I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, come receive it. Won't you believe it? The power of his spirit is now forever yours. Come believe it and receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. All things are possible. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough, it's yours today. Embrace the miracle over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.